Hey, City Church, it's so good to see you guys online today. You know, throughout this series, I believe we have been gaining the inner strength to thrive in life. And we've said that to truly thrive in life, we have to, uh, we have to find freedom from what I've called these surface issues in our lives that frustrate us, that we don't want in our lives, they sap our strength, they hurt our relationships. And yet what we said is to actually experience life change from these surface issues, we have to address the inner issues that feed the surface issues. And I've called these inner issues core issues. So far in our journey, we've looked at the core issue of fear and how to rise above it. We've looked at the core issue of unhealed wounds and how to get healing from those wounds. We've looked at the core issue of pride and how to rise above our pride. And folks, I believe that what we've looked at over these last few weeks, it's, it's so practical. We've looked at many practical ways that can help all of us thrive in life. I think it's been so important. I want to encourage you, if you've not been with us each week, to go back and listen to the messages you've missed. I think it's that important for your spiritual journey. You can do that by going to our website and watching the services you missed online, or you can use our City Church SA app, or you can listen to our podcast. We have all of this available on podcasts as well. And I believe uh, each one of these messages will help you thrive. Now, Today, we're going to conclude this series by looking at what Jesus said about the final core issue, which is unmet needs. Now, God has created all of us with certain human needs. They're physical needs, emotional needs, and relational needs. So like we have the physical need for security and safety, you know, physical health, and even financial health is a part of that. And then we all have emotional needs, the needs for acceptance, the need for approval, for affirmation, the need for warmth and affection, the need for love. And then we have a different kind of need, a, a need for a sense of purpose in life, a need for a sense of self-worth and value, a need to know that we do matter and to have others affirm to us that we do matter. But if any of these needs go unmet, it creates a void within us, or what I've been calling a hole in the soul. And numerous psychologists, as I've, I've looked at this core issue of unmet needs, numerous psychologists say that unmet needs are the number one source for anxiety and depression in our society. And that's why addressing this core issue is just so, so important. Now, how do these kinds of holes get in our souls? How do they get into our lives? Well, years ago, uh, one of the men who, who influenced me in a huge way as I was beginning my ministry is pastor and prolific author, Dr. Charles Stanley. And I got the chance to hear Dr. Stanley at a conference telling the, some of the story of his life and how certain holes came into his life. He said that when he was a child, uh, his father passed away when he was just nine months old. And he said that his mom had to go and work long hours to help them get by. And because of that, he felt the absence, the void of the presence and the affection of, of course, obviously his father and his mother. He said that years later, his mother remarried, but the man she married 
was angry and abusive. He was abusive to Dr. Stanley both physically and verbally. And so rather than experiencing the acceptance and the affirmation and the love that he craved, instead he got anger and abuse. On top of all of that, he said that his family moved, get this, 17 times and, uh, all the way up until he left for college when he was 18. That means they average moving every year. <laughs> and he's just said the instability of all of that and all that was going on created holes in his soul. I know another person whose uh, holes came into her soul differently. She told me that she grew up with a, a very kind father who always had a, a regular and, and a good job and that her mother was very creative and created a very safe environment in their home. So her physical needs for security, safety, financial security were very well met. But she also told me that she never remembered being held or hugged or being shown any kinds of affection physical affection. And she also never remembers hearing any words of affirmation or approval or love. And so the void of intimate touch, intimate affection, and the void of intimate words created holes in her soul. Do you have holes in your soul? Do you have unmet needs that are creating a hunger within you? How did they get there? Now, last week, I gave everybody a homework assignment. I gave a list of some of the various legitimate needs that God created us to have, and I, I, I put that list out there for you to look at, and I asked you to take about 10 or 15 minutes this past week to consider which areas where you might have unmet needs and either circle those, uh, those words or to, to write them out. Did anybody do the homework? <laughs> well, what did you discover? Maybe like the two examples I just gave to you, maybe some of your unmet needs came from a challenging relationship with either your parents or step-parents. And, and if I could pause for a minute and just acknowledge, hey, you know, I'm a parent, and let's just acknowledge that no parents are perfect. I'm not, you know, we're not trying to bash on parents with this core issue. Uh, and so, it's probable because none of us parents are perfect that there's going to be some unmet needs in every one of us because of our relationship with our parents. But it's important for us to be able to identify those needs and to fill the holes in our souls in legitimate ways. So how do we fill the holes in our soul? And so I'm going to go back to a book that I, that I mentioned last week that became so important to my thinking you know, on this area related to unmet needs. And it's the book called Happiness is a Choice by Dr. Minrith and Dr. Meyer. And in their book... They narrowed down all of the various legitimate human needs we have to three primary needs that we have, and they're the primary sources of emotional pain in people's lives. And so I'm just going to remind us of those uh, from last week. The first source of emotional pain in our lives that, that's, a, that's a need that we have is the lack of self-worth. That occurs when we have a low view of ourselves and however that happens. The second area they mention is a lack of intimacy with others. 
That's where we struggle to forge deep and meaningful relationships with people, even those who are closest to us. And then the third area they mention is a lack of intimacy with God, where we don't find a vital connection with God himself. And what Drs. Menrith and Myers say is that these three primary sources of emotional pain, or what I've been calling holes, also uh, become the three basic human needs that we all have. And what I found in my 30 years as a pastor is that most people, maybe not everybody, but most people have some of these needs missing in their lives. And so it creates holes within us. And so today, I want us to look at what Jesus says about how to meet our unmet needs. And so at a climactic moment in his earthly ministry, it became a watershed moment for him. A religious leader asked Jesus, what was the greatest commandment of all? And I want us to notice what Jesus said is the greatest commandment of all. This is Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Jesus is speaking and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, did you catch that? Try to like parallel that with what I just uh, walked through in the book, Happiness is a Choice. Jesus says that the greatest commandment of all is to love God to love others as you love yourself. And this teaching, this is monumental. It is groundbreaking because in this teaching, Jesus is showing his followers how to meet the three basic human needs that we all have. Okay, let's go back through it. One of the greatest needs that we have, one of the primary needs, inner needs that we have is intimacy with God. And what did Jesus teach? Love God. He taught us to love God because we have a need for intimacy with God. One of the other primary inner needs that we have is intimacy with others. What did Jesus say? Love others. One of the other primary needs that we have is a sense and a feeling of self-worth. Jesus said to love others as you love yourself. And with this profound a teaching, Jesus is showing us how to fill the holes in our souls, how to meet any unmet needs we might have within us. Love God, love others as you love yourself. Okay, but what does that mean? I mean, what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love others? What does it mean to love yourself? Well, let's let Jesus interpret Jesus. And so on the night before Jesus is arrested, he gathers his disciples together. And over a lengthy discussion, he teaches his disciples, you know, he knows what's getting ready to happen. And so he teaches his disciples the core teachings that he wanted to make sure that they remembered when he was gone. And the first teaching I want us to look at is what Jesus says about what it means to love God. This is John chapter 15, uh, verse nine. And Jesus says this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, 
just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so my joy may be in you, and so, so your joy may be complete. Okay, please notice this. Jesus says he loves us right now the way we are. And so it's important to feel that and to believe that, that he loves us. And then he calls for us to remain in his love. So he's talking to us, what does it mean to, the son of God loves us. What does it mean to be in a loving relationship with the son of God? What does it mean to love God? Well, he says, remain in my love. What does that mean? What's he talking about? Well, let's first get clear about what Jesus is not talking about. He's not talking about how, how to get right with God and how to be right with God. And so in this setting, Jesus is speaking only to his 11 believing disciples because Judas has already left to betray him. So he's only talking to believers at this point. And so we know that we're made right with God by believing in Jesus, the son, and these disciples have already believed in him. So remaining in his love, it's not about getting right with God. It's not about having your sins forgiven. Remaining in, in his love is something that only a believer in Jesus can experience. And what Jesus is showing us here is that we remain in his love by obeying or keeping his commands. And Jesus' commands, they're simply his moral and relational teachings that he left for us to love one another and, and to love God in our lives. And, and I think it's important the way we view these commandments of Jesus. It's not like Jesus just made up a random list of commands uh, to make our life hard or something like that. Jesus' commands, they show us what he appreciates, what he loves, and what will make our lives better and more loving in our relationship with God and in our relationships with others. And remaining in his love, it's not about gain, trying to gain his approval or gain his acceptance. We're accepted based on our faith in him, period. But it is about remaining in, his, in, in a loving relationship because he's shown, he's spoken to us about what's important to him in this loving relationship. And as we seek to love him back by remaining in his love, that's how we grow intimate in our relationship with God. And then there's the benefit. Jesus says, when you remain in my commands, you remain in my love by remaining in my commands, then you will experience joy in life. And not just any kind of joy. Did you notice what he said? He said, you will experience my joy. He said, my joy will be in you. And when you experience my kind of joy, your joy will be complete. Don't you want to know complete joy in your life? Then remain in his love. That's how you will experience that kind of joy. Okay, so that's what Jesus said about loving God. Well, what did Jesus say about loving others? Go to the next verse, John 15, 12, where Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And here Jesus is pointing to himself as an example of what it means to love others. And he's showing us that 
the way you love others and you love others well is to sacrificially love others. And so he's calling on us to sacrificially lay down our lives in seeking to meet the legitimate needs of others, whether it's physical needs or, or emotional needs for acceptance and approval and love and affection. And what Jesus shows us is that if we will love others in such a way that we're laying our, our lives down for them in a sacrificial kind of way, they sense that and they know that. And that is actually what forges intimacy between people. And what happens is we end up meeting each other's unmet needs. As you seek to love others, you're meeting their needs. And as you forge intimacy with them, they end up loving you back and meeting many of your needs. And folks, that kind of loving kind of intimacy in our relationships, that is what helps us to thrive in life. That's the kind of, of love that will make this world a better place. And that is what Jesus, that's what his movement is all about, creating love in our relationships. Oh, man. Okay, so we've looked at what Jesus said about loving God, about loving others. Well, what does Jesus say about loving ourselves? And this one's a little bit more subtle, and I acknowledge that, but you see it in this same teaching. This is John 15, 8, and 16, where Jesus says this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you so you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Okay, the first thing I want us to notice from what Jesus says here is, is a perspective I think that's important. You are chosen. According to Jesus, you are chosen. And you are chosen, and I, I hope you can believe that and feel that you are chosen. Think about that. You are chosen by the Son of God. And he chose you to bear fruit in life. Okay, so what does that mean? He's talking about our purpose in life. Bearing fruit is about doing the good works that only we can do to make this world a better place. That's what it means to bear fruit in life. And Jesus is talking here about discovering and recognizing who God uniquely created you to be and then to be at peace with who you are and who you aren't. I think what Jesus is talking about here, I think to, to really bear fruit in life, it's important that you like yourself. Do you like yourself? I mean, if you don't like yourself, it's going to be hard to love yourself. And if you can't love yourself, it's going to be hard to love others and love life. I, my hope for you is you can get to the place where you can truly embrace who God uniquely created you to be and that you can like yourself and even love yourself in the appropriate way of seeking to take whatever gifts, whatever abilities you have, and then to seek to bear fruit by sacrificially serving others. And when you do that, you, you begin to, to live a life that is meaningful and purposeful, and you feel that and you sense that. And that is what actually is one of the ways I think that God created us to gain a sense of, of fulfillment in life that gives us that inner sense of self-worth that we do legitimately crave. And by bearing fruit, folks, the, the fulfillment is in the fruit. 
by bearing fruit, by living your purpose and bearing the fruit of various good works of investing your life in others. That is what helps fill that unique hole in our souls, the, 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 the need for uh, self-worth and self-love. And so uh, what I wanna do in the, the next few moments that I have with you is to, to help you address unmet needs in your life and unmet needs in others' lives. And I wanna get real practical. And so uh, for the last couple of years, I've been actually prayerfully working on all of this material that I've been working on. In fact, I'm, I'm writing a book about it that I, I hope to get published soon. And, and as I was preparing for this particular part of my message, I was just praying and saying, you know, Lord, give, give me something to say that people can remember as they seek to address unmet needs in their lives and as I seek to address unmet needs in my life. And this is the word I feel like the Lord gave to me. Find fulfillment where you can and find peace where you can't. Will you say that with me? Find fulfillment where you can and find peace where you can't. Find fulfillment for your unmet needs in legitimate ways through the people that God has placed in your life and, of course, through your relationship with God. And I think that involves actually talking to the significant people in your life. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your parents. Talk to your family. Talk to friends. And I, it's okay for you to express any unmet needs you have in your life in an appropriate and humble way Express what those needs are and talk to the loved ones in your life about ways they can meet those needs. Find fulfillment where you can, but find peace where you can. And this is what I mean by that. You may have to come to a place of peace with some unmet needs in your life that you're not gonna have met. Maybe they're too far in the past. Maybe the people who should have met those needs are not gonna be able to, or maybe they can't, or maybe they won't meet those needs. And in those aspects of your life, I think it's important to find peace for those unmet needs where you can't, and then to bring those unmet needs to God and ask God, just acknowledge them before God, name them before God, and ask God to heal those holds in your soul. I also think of Finding fulfillment where you can and peace where you can't involves forgiving those who have not met your needs. And uh, because it, if you forgive people who have not met your needs, it, it begins the process of healing those holes in your soul that they've not been able to meet or that they never could meet. And I do think it's important to forgive not only those who are still living, but maybe even some people who have passed away to forgive them for ways in which they did not or could not meet your unmet needs. And I think that's a part of the healing process. Now, I also wanna say something to the parents out there. And so, so parents, like I said, you know, there, there are no perfect parents. I'm not a perfect parent, and I'll assure you my kids will vouch for that, okay? But as you can tell in this particular core issue, so many of our needs can be met by our parents. And if, if listening to these messages, you realize as a parent, you have not met some of your children's legitimate needs, I think one of the things that you can do that would make a huge difference is to admit that to your children, whatever age they are, and ask for their forgiveness. And, and from this point forward, now you know. No matter what age your children are, parents, 
Come on, city church parents. Let's be the kind of parents who seek to meet needs in our kids' lives, whatever their ages, the need for approval, the need for acceptance, the need for affection, the need for love. Let's look for ways to speak words of life and love and affirmation and praise into our children. And I promise, parents, if we do this together, we will not only change the trajectory of our kids, we will change the trajectory of our relationship with our kids. Now, relating to loving God, I think, I think it's important to set aside time uh, regularly to intentionally uh, work on intimacy with God, remaining in his love. And so around City Church, we call this spiritual practice having a God time. And so I like to, like four or five uh, mornings a week, I set aside maybe 10 to 20 minutes where I'm intentional about working on my intimacy with God. And so I, I read a portion of the script, Christian scriptures normally, uh, and um, I really like to focus at least twice a year, I read through the four books of the Bible where, that tell the story of Jesus and unpack all of his teachings and all of his commands. And then I meditate on the scriptures, and then I, I, in stillness, in silence, in solitude, I get quiet and I, I try to listen to God. That's what you do in a relationship. And God speaks to me through, through my spirit, through his spirit speaking to my spirit. And then I speak back to God. And I, that's, that's what we call prayer. And I just tell him what's on my heart. I, I, I lift up my request to him. And I trust him with my life. So, so keep working on forging that intimate relationship with God. Okay, regarding intimacy with others. You have to be intentional about pursuing intimacy with the people in your life. And I think that means, you know, especially with your spouse and your family members and your closest friends, to work on uh, ha having settings where you can actually have what I call intimate conversations, not just surface level conversations. That's a part of forging the intimacy you need in your life. And then related to uh, loving yourself, I think it's so important for you to be able to grasp who you are and to look for ways to bear fruit in life. And as you bear fruit by living your purpose, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna gain a sense of meaning and fulfillment in life. This fulfillment that your soul has been craving for. And that is what will help you thrive in life. Find fulfillment where you can and find peace where you can't. Now, earlier I told you the story of Dr. Stanley. You know, he, he has, he's had such a profound impact on my life. And if you remember, you know, the absence of his, uh, uh, the death of his dad, the absence of his mom, the abuse of his stepfather, and then, you know, moving around so much, it just created a lot of holes in his soul that he said he didn't really even realize were there until much later in life. He was married, had a family, was a pastor, in, in, in an article, in an interview in the magazine called Christianity Today, they interviewed him about the various unmet needs uh, in his life that created these holes in his soul that went all the way back to his childhood. And they asked him, you know, what became the turning point for you in the area of unmet needs? And he said there was a season in his life where he said he, he kept feeling this kind of emptiness inside him. He knew something was wrong, and he said he prayed about it. He studied the scripture, tried to figure out what was going on, and he said he just couldn't get at it, and it was just, it was weighing him down. And so he, in the article, he says, 
he asked uh, several of his closest friends to get away with him for a day, and he felt like what he needed to do was to tell them the story of his life all the way back to his childhood. And then he felt like once he did that, he was just supposed to listen to whatever they said he needed to do. And so they did that. They got away for a day, and it took about a day for Dr. Stanley to tell all of the meaningful experiences, you know, the memorable experiences of his life. And when he was finished, he, he said, I, that's all I can remember. That's, I don't think there's anything more. And from this point forward, I'll quote what Dr. Stanley said in the interview with Christianity Today. Dr. Stanley said, one of the men said, Charles, put your head on the table and close your eyes. So I did. My friend continued, your father just picked you up in his arms and held you. What do you feel? And I burst out crying. And I cried and cried and cried. Then he asked me again. And I just kept crying. Finally, when I settled down, I said, I feel warm, loved, and accepted. And for the first time in my life, I acknowledged and recognized that God really loved me and that I could have a personal relationship with him that went beyond salvation. It changed my life. You see, he realized in that moment that his very difficult relationship with his stepfather had given him a distorted view of God. And in that moment, where he pictured himself being held by his father. He realized and remembered what God is really like. And those needs for affection and warmth and love that he craved, those holes were filled by the love of his heavenly father. He found fulfillment where he could and peace where he could not. And that's what my prayer is for you. Because in that, in that, you will gain the inner strength to thrive in life. Let's pray together. And Father God, it is so wonderful to know that you love us. Unconditionally, you love us. And my prayer is for those who are listening right now who know that they have unmet needs in their lives. I pray that you can picture yourself in the arms of our Heavenly Father, hugging you, expressing his affection for you, speaking his love for you, and know that he loves you right now. And Lord, my prayer is for many out there listening that you would begin to heal the holes that are in some of our souls. <sighs> Fill those holes with your love. Fill those holes with your affirmation. Fill those holes with your acceptance of us. In Jesus' name, I ask this. Amen and amen.